SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number two of the morning after on a Thursday right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. A Thursday, a magical freaking Thursday because today begins the greatest three-week stretch we might see on the entire sports calendar. Appreciate these days of conference tournament week. When college basketball starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time and goes into the wee hours of a early Friday morning till about 2 a.m. Eastern, probably approximately 15 hours of college basketball for you to consume and hopefully make some smart wagers on as well. And we get you ready for all of that by looking back on yesterday and how the table sets up for this Thursday to start our number two of this wonderful program known as the morning after. We begin not far away from us here in Midtown Manhattan at Madison Square Garden in the world's most famous arena. What a day it was at the Big East Tournament. Butler pulls the upset over Xavier in overtime. The Bulldogs will face the top seed in the Big East, the team we are fired up about, the Providence Friars. Xavier very much on the bubble. Whew, that was not a good, uh, not a good loss for Xavier whatsoever but elsewhere we had some drama late night at MSG and I mean late night this game didn't start till about 10 15 p.m eastern time going past midnight at the garden but it's the city that never sleeps so it makes sense that we're doing that here in the Big Apple and unfortunately for Georgetown although they put up a fight against Hall Ball and the Seton Hall Pirates Seton Hall emerges victorious and Georgetown ends their year winless in Big East competition 20 games, 20 losses for the Georgetown Hoyas. They do cover as a nine-and-a-half-point dog last night. They did have a double-digit lead in the first half, but they ultimately fall 57-53 to Seton Hall. So Georgetown, again, 0-20 in Big Ten play this year, but 8-12 and against the number, booked as an underdog in every one, and did cover in five of their last seven games. Georgetown also ends the year losing 21 straight games. Their last win was on December 15th. Their last Big East win came in the conference tournament title last year that sent the Hoyas into the big dance. Now, Seton Hall gets UConn tonight at the Garden. Connecticut calls the Garden its home floor. UConn will be a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Seton Hall tonight with an over-under that opened up around 134-and-a-half. So it's a great one in Madison Square Garden today for the Big East Tournament. Villanova was the favorite entering at plus 180. Nova has a ball game today against, as I think about it here, I can't think about who Villanova is playing. St. John's, there it is, and Creighton in Marquette in the 4-5 matchup as well. Those are the four games at the Big East Tournament today at Madison Square Garden. We go from the Big East to the Big Ten. 
And good night to our sweet Prince Nebraska, who was covering basketball games in a great, great way all year in Big Ten competition. Despite winning just four games out of the 21 they played in the Big Ten Conference, being booked as a dog in all 21, Nebraska covered 13 of the 21, 13 and 8 against the number as an underdog this year. They fall to Northwestern yesterday, did cover as a four and a half point favorite, but fall to the Wildcats 71-69. Yesterday's result a little bit more disappointing for the Huskers because, as I will tell you in just a moment after we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the second hour of TMA on this Thursday, Sirius XM Channel 159 and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. We are looking at Conference Tournament Week, a Wednesday night slate into a huge Thursday across the board. And in the Big Ten, Nebraska had a 14-point lead at the halftime break before Northwestern rallies in the second to win by two in a great thriller in Indianapolis, 71-69. Now, Nebraska did cover as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, 13-8 and eight against the number in all 21 Big Ten games this year, booked as an underdog, winning outright in four of those 13. And Nebraska entered the Big Ten tournament, winning three straight, booked as a double-digit dog, all of them on the road, and two straight against top 25 opponents. It seemed with a 14-point lead at the break, Nebraska was going to win four straight games. It took Nebraska 57 games to start off the Fred Hoiberg era to win six Big Ten games. They could have won four in their last four, but ultimately Northwestern rallies for a two-point victory, the first win at the Big Ten tourney for Northwestern since the 2017 season. So Northwestern gets Iowa today, and in the only meeting about two weeks ago in the regular season, Northwestern lost to the Hawkeyes by 21 points and did not cover as an 11-point underdog. So that is not exactly what you're looking for if you're Northwestern entering this game against Iowa, who won eight of their final 10 games, all by double digits, covering in seven of those last 10 games. And for a very good offense in the Iowa Hawkeyes, went under in five of their last six. It's the third best odds to win the Big Ten tournament for the Iowa Hawkeyes right now on FanDuel at plus 410. The America East tournament final also today between the team we all remember as the Queen Cinderella in NCAA tournament history, UMBC, who, of course, a couple of seasons ago pulled off the only one versus 16 upset we have ever seen in the history of the big dance. UMBC gets Vermont today in the America East final. Vermont is the number one seed. UMBC is the number two seed. Vermont has been dominant in conference play, 19-1 and straight up in conference, 13-7 and against the number, favored in all but two of those games. Vermont is very good. Keep an eye on the Catamounts. We go to the SWAC in Mike Blewett up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The madness is all around in this month of March, especially right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. If the madness is all around, 
Mike Blewett, too, is all around. He joined us on Monday morning from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, for the Summit League tournament, which went the way of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Now, where in the world is Mike Blewett? He would find himself in Birmingham, Alabama, for the SWAC tourney, and he puts up the BC lid, and rightfully so. The, the Boston College the Eagles. <laughs> I'm about to compliment you here before we get into the thick about our ACC tournament takes. BC yesterday winning outright as a 10-point underdog against Wake Forest in overtime, making the Demon Deacons sweat until Selection Sunday, Mike Blewett. How about your Eagles? Not Golden Eagles, by the way, just Let's Eagles. go. That's right, just straight-up Eagles. Uh, how about it? I love it. Two in a row. Obviously, the ACC has been a, it's been a funky year, maybe a down year for the conference, and I am sure. as surprised as some that BC was able to pull off the win yesterday, but uh, a really solid win. It's Earl Grant's first season there. They're obviously in a rebuild. And to not finish in the cellar, to make some progress, to get some recruits coming in, is very positive. And, and the win yesterday against Wake was very satisfying. I know they are nervous and they're on the bubble, but you know what? Hit a couple of shots. You won't have to be worried about it. Boom. Two impressive victories for BC. Beat Pitt in their opener by... 20 points covering in that game as well as a favorite and then yesterday as a double digit underdog pulling the upset off outright two very impressive wins for boston college as was the impressive win of my alma mater syracuse winning by 39 points over florida state yesterday but that is not the conversation following that game between the orange and the knolls that would be of the right hand and the punch thrown by Buddy Beheim, which has led to a one-game suspension for today's opener in ACC tournament action at Barclays against the Duke Blue Devils. Now, Mike Blewett was with us in the opening hour. You didn't see him. He was behind the scenes testing his connection there in Birmingham, Alabama. And we'll get to the swag tourney and some other thoughts from Mike Blewett in just a moment. But Mike Blewett had something he wanted to retort against my explanation of why I do not believe that Jackson Buddy Beheim should not be suspended for today's game against Duke. Blewett, the floor is yours. So I heard your comments in the first hour, as you said, as I was testing behind the scenes, and you and I have a great passion for college basketball. We respect mm. each other's opinion. We have a great working relationship, dare I say a good friendship. But on this, I would. we disagree. Well, uh, on this point regarding Buddy Beheim, we disagree. I know you said that they didn't call the foul in the moment, and... They should just move on, considering all the things that were said about him, how he was defended. And some of that is uh, fair points. But what I would say is that the foul is what it is because the officials didn't see it. The league does have the right to review it and then render a punishment. In this instance, I do think he really stepped over the line. He threw a punch. Mm -hmm. It's the heat of the moment. He's a good kid. Leonard Hamill did defend him as much as he can. And it really stinks that that could be the end of his Syracuse career. It goes out on an mm -hmm. embarrassing note. But I don't really see how you can allow someone to throw a punch like that and then allow him to play the next day. It's a tough break, but I just don't really see your side of it. But please uh, push right. back if you'd like. Well, 100%. I would agree with you. And I'm not saying that what Buddy Beheim did was okay or just in the heat of the game. No, no it was a wrongdoing by Buddy Beheim, and he admitted as such after the game. I am not his father that said the kid down low, Wyatt Wilkes, was banging with him, and that's why his arm just happened to hit him. No, I would not go yeah. out on a limb like Jim Beheim did after the game. 
My point being that you're right, it is a reviewable play, but no whistle was called during the game, thus leading to no review. Leonard Hamilton did not ask for a review from the officials, which he's entitled to during the game itself. And this happened in the early portion of the first half because, Blue, if it does get whistled and it is noticed by the referees or a review happens during game action, Buddy Beheim is thrown out for a flagrant two, and that's probably the end of the punishment but to then take the only action you can after as the ACC at a conference level and have the recourse be well we got to do something we can't just let him play so you suspend him for that game that is my issue if this was the NFL if this was a professional league Buddy Beheim is suspended 75 or uh, fined $75,000 and we move on you can't find a college kid, so thus it was the one-game suspension. It felt like a recourse of something that could have happened during the game and then allowed Buddy Beheim, in the spirit of competition, to play today against the Duke Blue Devils and hopefully continue a magical run for my orange. It's totally fair point. I just don't really know, as to your point about recourse, I don't really know what else the league could do. Suspend him for a half? Would that be... Uh, splitting the baby and just deciding, oh. all right, we, we've been able to take some action, but to let it go completely because the officials missed it. And it wasn't necessarily a blatant miss by the officials. He did it very quickly. It was under the basket right after a hoop. So to that point, I, I can't really blame the officials for missing that. It is un totally unfortunate. Um, it's happening to a kid that has a great reputation, but I, I personally agree with the league in this instance that you make them sit for the game. Hopefully they pull off the shocker, although it'll be difficult. I think Duke's going to be highly motivated today after the embarrassing second half against Carolina. And Duke open blew it as a 13-point favorite against SU today. The line is now 15-and-a-half in favor of Duke. That game tips at noon inside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. What a win it would be, though, for Jim Beheim against his good pal in Coach Mike Krzyzewski. So Blewett is there in Birmingham, Alabama at the SWAC tournament where it is quarterfinal Thursday for a couple of teams in the conference. Only eight teams go to the conference tourney on campus at UAB in Birmingham and the highest seed playing today that would be Southern, the three seed and a six-point favorite against Grambling. Blewett, what can you let us know about the SWAC tournament overall? So I would say that based on yesterday's games, which I attended, very low-scoring games. We had a 104 total and a 108 total before pushing. That game got pushed to overtime, and it goes up to 127. But we had a we had a half yesterday where the score was 20 to 15, second half of the night game Prairie View against Alcorn, uh, Grambling and Southern. This total is 137. Southern is the highest scoring team at 72 points per game, largest margin of victory in the SWAC over four points per game during the season. They, but however, Grambling did beat Southern twice this year, 83 to 77. Mm -hmm. That went over 61 to 57. That one went under i'm leaning towards southern being able to push the pace a little bit but i'm a little concerned about these teams inability to score yesterday both games very low scoring i wonder if we're going to see low totals for the rest of this tournament the other game up today florida a&m versus alabama a&m has a much lower over under at 124 and a half florida a&m the two-point favorite in that game so two quarterfinals today semifinal friday tomorrow and then the championship game on saturday blew it who do you think emerges out of the swag i think 
what's pretty interesting in that second game today, Alabama A&M and FAMU, you have two of the best players in the conference going against one another. MJ Randolph won player of the year in the SWAC, the first player ever from FAMU to take down that honor. He led the league in scoring at 18.9 points per game and 6.2 rebounds per game. On the other side, Jalen Johnson from Alabama A&M, uh, third in the league in scoring and fourth in the league in rebounding both shoot well from three so that'll be an interesting matchup i do think upsets are abound the eight seed prairie view had alcorn dead to rights last night and threw the ball away so i think this is going to get really funky uh i think fam you led by mj randolph has a real chance here to pull off some upsets they're only laying one and a half or two today uh so i, I think if I if I'm betting the rest of the SWAC tournament, I'm taking points more often than not. I just think FAMU has a little bit of an edge today with MJ Randolph. SWAC tournament handicapping, something you won't find anywhere else, especially live from Birmingham, right here on the morning after with Mike Blewett. Mike, safe travels to wherever you go next. We go to the NBA up next here on TMS. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. If you want madness on this Thursday in March, maybe it's not just college basketball. It's also the NBA. And it's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania tonight for a matchup between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. And joining us now to preview everything that will go into this game. And there is a ton. It is Austin Krell, a Sixers beat writer who covers Philly very, very closely, who will be inside the Wells Fargo Center tonight for what should be an electric and maybe not exactly living up to the name City of Brotherly Love environment tonight as Philly welcomes Brooklyn. Austin, thank you for joining us here on a Thursday on the morning after. No problem, Ben. Thanks for having me. So we know what is at stake tonight. A basketball game, of course, where the Sixers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but it's the storylines that really go into this. James Harden against his former team in the Brooklyn Nets. On the floor at the same time with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Not on the floor tonight, but will be on the bench in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons making his return to Philly. Austin, you will be there. What do you expect the atmosphere to be like tonight? Uh, I, you know, I've been wondering that it's, it's kept me up at nights the last couple of days. Like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to expect. Um, I do know that they're describing it as playoff level security. So I don't know if that's like one or two extra guards or w- what that means, but I guess they're taking a little bit of attention to it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be certainly a very hostile environment. Uh, if your name is Ben Simmons, I think that's for sure. Yeah. So, Austin, this is a betting program. What do you think the over-under is for the length of boos tonight? I'm going to set the line in an hour and a half of consecutive boos of Ben Simmons. Are you taking the over or the under? Oh, I think it'll be over because I, I think it's going to go all night long unless he decides to, like, spend the second half in the locker room or something like that or he just, like, comes out for a little bit and then, like, goes back in. But, uh, yeah, I think it will be longer because every, every time – every 
every opportunity they can, they will boo him. I don't think there's going to be a tribute video inside the Wells Fargo Center for Ben Simmons tonight. So from an actual game perspective, let's break down the matchup tonight between two of the top teams, at least from an odds perspective, in the Eastern Conference. Again, Philly, a four-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. The over-under is at 234-and-a-half. So, Austin, as you approach this game, what do you see from a matchup perspective for the Nets and Sixers tonight? From a matchup perspective, uh, the Nets are without LaMarcus Aldridge, so that's one of their bigger bodies that they won't have. They're going to have Andre Drummond, I believe, but he has not fared well against Joel Embiid in his career. So I, I think you're looking at a big night from Joel Embiid in all likelihood. Um, and, you know, Harden certainly has the capacity to go off against his former team. Maybe there's some some blood there that, that gives him a little extra motivation. Um, but they don't really have a, a, a pristine perimeter defender. So mm. I think those are all guys that could potentially go off. I think the Sixers have scored um, over 110, 115 points in each game Harden's played. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think in every game he's played, they haven't given up less than 100. So I think you're, you're certainly looking at a possibility where that, that, that over under is, is certainly within reach. I mean, the vision of what Daryl Morey was able to do at the NBA trade, trade deadline certainly is coming to fruition, at least through the first couple of games with James Harden in a Sixers uniform. They have won all five and they have covered in all five with both Joel Embiid and James Harden on the floor. So as we look at their props for tonight, Austin, why has the productivity for both guys here worked so well so far for Philly? So uh, one thing I think that is is really working well is the Sixers have not had a guy like Harden who can use his scoring gravity and shooting gravity to um, you know like take over the game as a passer those two things your passing ability and your shooting and scoring gravity feed off one another so um, he's really able to open the floor with his passing quite well and it's really just made their offense hum in ways that it didn't previously. They're getting a lot of open shots. I think they're attempting like 26 threes per game um, with him on the floor and only 13 with him off the floor. So, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's just by passing the ball and being a, a really having excellent court vision, he's changing things for the Sixers. Uh, and then also he's averaging almost 25 points per game for the team. So, um, you know, he, he's played very efficiently. He's been a, a breath of fresh air for this franchise, and they're just getting easy buckets in ways that they haven't in, in this era. 25 and a half is James Harden's point prop tonight. His assist prop is at 11 and a half, a number that is lofty for sure, but a number that James Harden has gone over in three of his five games. In a Sixers uniform, the two times going under, he had 11 and nine assists in each of those two games. So he has certainly been that facilitator as well for Philadelphia. Joel Embiid right now, Austin, is the odds-on favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NBA MVP. Do you believe he is the clear-cut frontrunner running away with this award at this time? You asked me two weeks ago, I would have said yes. Now I think it's getting very close. I think Nikola Jokic is Hmm. certainly uh, making a case the way he's played uh, for a while now, but specifically the last couple games where he had like 30 points in the second and third and the fourth quarter in overtime the other night for Denver. And he had a, he had a great game last night. Um, I think people are, are, are buying the idea that Jokic is taking this team that it really has nothing else on it and keeping them, you know, 13 games above 500. Um, but at the same time, Joel Embiid has, has carried the Sixers through the Ben Simmons saga 
uh, and, you know, kept them in, I think, the three seed in the East before they got James Harden. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's done, you know, there's storylines on both sides that help their cases, but I think it kind of matters. Do you, do you prefer, you know, a two-way player or do you want the most dominant player in the game? I think Joel is the most dominant two-way player right now, but I think, you know, Jokic is certainly the, maybe the more polished offensive player. Austin Krell joining us here on the morning after looking at a huge game tonight in Philly between the Sixers and the Nets. Of course, the return of Ben Simmons and James Harden facing off against his former team in Brooklyn with both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the floor as well. Speaking of KD and Kyrie, Kevin Durant's points prop tonight, 29 and a half for Kyrie Irving. That number is 24 and a half. How do you expect the Sixers, Austin, to defend both of the stars on the other side for the Nets? Trick question. I don't defend. I don't expect them to do that. <laughs> um, the Sixers have, have a problem on the on, with the perimeter defense. They're they're not a very good. Uh, they're, not, they're not very good. You know, in in winning those one on one battles, Matisse Thybul is their one prominent wing defender. I expect maybe Joel and B will be tasked with sort of coming out in the perimeter and and trying to curtail um, or thwart their attacks in, in the paint, but. I think that, you know, it, it, the Sixers are switching with James Harden because that's his preferential style on defense. They're, they're, that's are going to get mismatches and they're going to exploit them. It's just a matter of can, do, are they, are they, is this one night where they're missing shots or is this a night where they're going to hit? If they're hitting, it's going to be a very close game. If, if they're off, then the Sixers could easily pull away with it. So let's go big picture here from the rest of this NBA home stretch and into the playoffs, of course, because the Brooklyn Nets are in that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference standings, but are still the favorites on FanDuel at plus 270 to win the Eastern Conference crown. Philly, the third best odds, and in that three spot in the standings as well, plus 320. Austin, how do you see the race for the East playing out the rest of the way in the NBA? I, I can't possibly give the Nets the the, the best odds because I, I just don't know what they are yet. Um, we don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with Kyrie in, in the private sector mandates for the vaccine in, in New York. We don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. Um, if the one constant is Kevin Durant plus, you know, the, the supporting cast, I don't like those odds for Brooklyn winning the East. Um, I, I think the safe pick right now is probably the Bucks because they have the experience. They've done it before. Um, the next best, I think, probably be the Sixers right, right, right ahead of the Heat. The reason I wouldn't go Heat is because I just don't trust their, their offense you know, in, in, a, in a grind it out type game because Jimmy Butler hasn't been very good in the clutch. Um, and I don't I don't know who their primary shot creator is. Now, um, you know, those will be my top three, Milwaukee, Philly, and, and, and uh, Miami. I think Boston can make a run because of what they've been doing. It's been very impressive with their defense, and their, they, have, they have a lot of offensive shot creators. So, you know, those are, they're a team that could sneak up on you. But right now it's got to be Milwaukee, I think, and this is the number one. Yeah, the Sixers, the third best odds in the East, the fifth best odds to win an NBA championship at 7-1. to one. What do you want to see, Austin, out of the Sixers down this home stretch of the regular season that will let you know they are a true contender for both the East and the NBA title? So I think one thing I want to see is shorten up the rotations. There are certain guys that are in the rotation, maybe shouldn't be in the rotation, um, and really to sort of work on getting the chemistry together with the guys that you know you're going to play heavy minutes in the playoffs. You're going to rely on Embiid. You're going to rely on Harden and Maxi. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to have to start leaning into them a little heavier to get them prepared for that increased workload ahead of the playoffs. So, Austin, I'm very jealous of you tonight that you will be at the Wells 
Fargo Center. Austin Krell joining us here on the morning after a Sixers beat writer covering all things Philadelphia and the rest of the NBA. Austin, normally on a Thursday with this much college basketball, I wouldn't even give a thought to the NBA. Tonight, because of what we have in Philly, I certainly will be tuning in. Austin, thank you so much for the insight in the breakdown and what we can expect atmosphere-wise as well in Philly between the Nets and the Sixers tonight. Thanks for having me. Austin Krell right there covering all things Sixers and giving us all that insight for a big night in Philadelphia. But we go back to college hoops next because in just about 25 minutes from now, the first game up of this college basketball slate on conference tournament week on a Thursday begins. The Toledo Rockets, by the way, the second best cover percentage in the entire country. We look at college basketball on this Thursday, the rest of conference tourney week and what it means for selection Sunday. Now just four days away. Ryan Hammer joins the show on the other side of the break here on TMA and sports. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on this Thursday right here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. This is a huge Thursday. Conference tournament week, one of the best times of year across college basketball. Really beginning a three-week stretch where we are in love with everything in college hoops. One of the best stretches on the sports calendar and helping us make sense of all of the games that you can see today. Joining us from FanDuel, it is Ryan Hammer here on the morning after. Ryan, thank you for your time. Up bright and early on this Thursday because games start. Toledo and Central Michigan out in the MAC Conference Tournament in just about 20 minutes. So we got to get going and we got to get going early. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me as always. So let's start very big picture, Ryan. Four days away from Selection Sunday. And when it comes to conference tournaments, maybe it's not just about Cinderella's making runs through their league's tournament trying to steal a bid or a team trying to play itself off of the bubble. It's also for the best teams in the country that have been that way all year in their seeding positioning for the big dance. So there are odds up on FanDuel right now to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Earlier this week, Gonzaga was minus 7,000. I think they have clinched the number one overall seed by winning the WCC tournament. But Arizona in hefty minus money at minus 1450. Baylor minus 1000. And then we get into the plus money, Ryan. Are there any teams there with plus money prices that you think might have a chance of snatching a number one seed? I really, I mean, you're going to have to get two of them, obviously. I think. Yeah. Only those first three in the plus money, Kansas, Auburn, and Kentucky, can really get them unless Wisconsin won the Big Ten. Like Then maybe there's a case for that, but I still wouldn't go near it at plus 4,000. But between Auburn and Kentucky, one of them has to win the SEC most likely. Could it be Arkansas, LSU? We'll see. But if you think you're confident in one of those teams to win the SEC, they will get a one seed. I'm high on Auburn. I have been all year, and they've been really rough away from home. But in neutral sites, we're going to find out how good they, they truly are. I like Auburn to get that last one seed and win the SEC tournament. So, 
Yeah, right now, Kentucky, the favorite to win the SEC tourney. That is in Tampa, Florida this week at plus 200, but Auburn was not far behind at plus 270. A lot has been made of the road struggles for Bruce Pearl and company. Four and seven ATS on the road, but in neutral site games, three and one against the number in the early non-conference portion of their slate. From the SEC, Ryan, to the ACC. We had some action yesterday inside Barclays Center and more of the big dogs get involved today. Duke and Syracuse kick things off. We've already gone over Buddy Bayheim being suspended for that game. North Carolina in the nightcap tonight. How do you evaluate the ACC tournament inside the Barclays Center? It's like, it's strange because the ACC is having like a huge down year, probably one of their worst in recent years. There are teams fighting for their lives here, like Virginia, Virginia Tech, even Miami is close to the bubble. Wake Forest is now done and they're, they're, their fate is out of their own control, which sucks for them, but it is what it is. Um, even Syracuse, like we saw it in the last few years, could they make a run without Buddy Bayheim? Obviously, it's going to be tough, but um, we've seen teams do that in a league like the ACC. I'm really keeping my eye on Virginia Tech after last night, surviving and advancing, and they're now favorites tonight to beat Notre Dame, which is interesting. Um, but like these teams are surviving, and I think Duke is obviously the clear favorite, and they are the best team, um, but they're completely locked into the tournament and probably locked in to be a two-seed most likely. So. Duke, a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against my alma mater, the Syracuse Orange today. A great buddy-old pal matchup, though, between Jim Beheim and Coach K on his retirement tour. From the ACC, Ryan, to the Big 12. Only one game to open things up in Kansas City last night between West Virginia and Kansas State. An over of a total at 138-and-a-half for a K-State team that played 15 of 19 games in Big 12 play to an over in West Virginia, 14 of their 19 to an over. Now West Virginia gets the top seed in the Big 12 in Kansas. How do you look at the favorites in the Big 12 tournament the rest of the way in KC? I think Kansas and Baylor are definitely national title contenders. I think they, one of them will win this tournament for sure. Uh, John Rothstein calls West Virginia tougher than a weekend at your in-laws, but I don't think it's going to be the, the case that much for Kansas. I think they'll be fine. West Virginia has been struggling, especially the latter half of the year. Um, they have some good players. I love Taz Sherman, but I don't think they're going to put poise much of a challenge uh, for the big dogs. But for the other teams, like Texas Tech has shown that they can beat Baylor. They beat them twice. Can they beat them a third time if they play them? I have my doubts, just like any team beating a team a third time, but especially beating Baylor three times in a year, which would be really tough. So, Yeah, KU a nine-point favorite today. Ryan, back to the number one overall seeds, or the number one seeds, I should say, for the NCAA tournament. Baylor is the favorite to win the Big 12, despite being the number two seed. As we showed, they are minus 1,000 to be on that one line by the time we get to Selection Sunday. If Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament, though, maybe beating Baylor in that tournament final, do you give the Jayhawks any hope of taking over that one line from Baylor? I'd honestly give both of them a one seed. I think Baylor's resume is super, mm -hmm. super strong, strength of record and everything. Quad one wins. They now lead in the country. A big thing that the committee looks at is player availability, which they have not had a lot of player availability. They've been struggling with that all year. Thus, why even after those Texas Tech losses, the preview selection show gave them a two seed, um, a high two seed, and that's why they're going to get a one. If Kansas wins the Big 12 tourney, like you said, maybe over Baylor in the final, I'd give them both one seeds. And then if Kansas, or sorry, if Kentucky or Auburn win that SEC tournament, they would get the last one seed. I like that. I like how that looks for the NCAA tournament starting on Selection Sunday, just four days away. So that's the top of the bracket, the number one seeds, the number two seeds. Let's look at the bubble. Wake Forest losing yesterday to Boston College. Now a sweat over the next four days for Steve Forbes and the rest of the Deeks as they await the selection committee's results 
on Selection Sunday. Xavier lost yesterday at the Big East Tournament. The Musketeers limping in the home stretch of this NCAA college basketball season. And starting early on this Thursday, out in the Big Ten, in Indianapolis, the 8-9 matchup between Michigan and Indiana. I would say, Ryan, the Wolverines punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament with the road win over Ohio State to end out the regular season. But Indiana firmly on the bubble right now. How do you break down that matchup in the Big Ten today? I'd say Michigan is not 100% of the way yet. But if they win today, they can seal their deal. They'll probably get like closer to a 10 seed than anything else. They won't be in the playing games for sure. Indiana obviously is on their their on their last legs here. They need to win every game possible. Yep. They can't lose this game, otherwise they will definitely be out. And honestly, they probably have to be Illinois after if they win this game too to really like seal their deal and lock their spot in. Um, this game today is tough. I, I think it's tough. Like Hunter Dickinson hasn't played. He didn't play last game when they beat Ohio State. They still won, um, but he should be back to try to handle Trace Jackson Davis today. Indiana is a tough team. I on today's game alone, the lines I like. To, I'm staying away from it just because. My heart says Michigan should be able to win the game, but three doesn't sound like a lot of points, but it almost is to me. So maybe buying a point or two um, to make it one and a half or two for Michigan. I like that. I think that's a great point as well. Very astute CBB handicapping from Ryan Hammer, who joins us here on the morning after from FanDuel. They often say some of the sharpest in the industry that two, three, and five, very key numbers for college basketball. We talk about that all the time for the NFL, three and seven being those key numbers, but two, three, and five for college hoops, something to pay attention to. So both of those teams, Michigan and Indiana, in the bubble out of the Big Ten. Are there any other spots on the board today, Ryan, for maybe some bubble teams you are keeping an eye on right now? Yeah, I like to call them on life support. I have a, like a list of teams that are playing today on life support. Indiana is obviously one of those teams. Another one is Florida versus Texas A&M. They're both on life support. Mm -hmm. Florida's probably closer to being in than Texas A&M is, but both of them would probably have to be Auburn after that. St. Louis is playing LaSalle. They're on life support. Oregon versus Colorado, that's both of them. Virginia Tech, Virginia, and then Mississippi State versus South Carolina. Both of them are playing each other also. What do you do with this Oregon team, by the way? Because they have been the most <laughs> interesting team to me, maybe in the final month and a half of this college basketball regular season. I thought they were dead. Then they go out yesterday. They hammer Oregon State, who the Beavs, not by any means a great team, a 3-28 and team for that <laughs> Oregon State team that made the big dance last year. But Dana Altman tends to get his teams to play better as we get to the end of the regular season and into the month of March. An impressive resume with some of the Ducks' wins in the Pac-12. How do you evaluate Oregon if you are the selection committee heading into Selection Sunday? So there, there's an argument for them to be closer to in or in than they are right now. I think it's the same argument that puts Rutgers in, just not at that scale, where they have a lot of bad losses, really questionable advanced metrics like maybe in the net ranking and stuff like that, but they have crazy good wins. They beat UCLA twice. They beat USC. They have really good wins on the season. Um, but Oregon's a tricky one. Like, I am with you. I've been on them for years, honestly, because of Dana Altman, going back to Dylan Brooks, Peyton Pritchard. I love those teams. This year, it's been tough, man. Like, it looks like they don't want to be in the tournament when they're playing in these last couple losses that they've had. They just look like they don't want to be in the tournament. But today's another chance. They're still alive. And I, God, I want to say I believe in Dana Altman. I think they're minus one today versus Colorado. Uh, but Colorado's been looking really good also ever since their big win against Arizona at home. And Jabari Walker has been awesome lately, especially from the three. Um, so it's tough to go either way. I think either team could win this. And either of them could be a tournament team, though. 
Oregon last week had odds to make the NCAA tournament field of 68 on FanDuel. It was plus 230 before they absolutely sploofed one against Washington last Thursday night and followed that up with a loss to Wazoo in the regular season finale. Indiana, who Ryan mentioned, is on life support, plus 240 right now on FanDuel to make the NCAA tournament. Michigan, minus 11,000. The Wolverines are on the right side of the bubble, but still maybe some work to be done. Ryan, as we look across the mid-major tournaments that are going on this week, still across the country, who are a couple of teams that maybe are under the radar you have your eye on as we get ready for the big dance? So I've been harping on the Mountain West for honestly for years, but this year the Mountain West has been better than it has been in a long time, in my opinion, with a lot of top quality teams, Boise State, Colorado State, uh, Wyoming, UNLV has been pretty good too. You can go down the line. There's a bunch of good teams. Um, I think I think Colorado State and Boise State are definitely the best teams. They have what it takes to make a run deep in the tournament. Wyoming plays UNLV tonight. They're minus one against them. That's a really interesting one because they've been sliding down towards the bubble and they're probably in those last eight, I'd say, in, like those last four buys right now. Uh, Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. are one of the best duos in all of college basketball, but they have not been doing it lately. So I really, really hope they can put it together because I think those two guys are really dangerous and can beat most teams in the country on a good day. Um, and I think Boise State is a team that's very balanced and poised for a run of the tournament. So The line has worked in Colorado State's favor today, by the way, against Utah State. Mm-hmm. Opened at two, two and a half. Now we're already at four in favor of the Rams with the Mountain West Player of the Year in David Roddy. Colorado State has won eight of their last nine to end out the regular season, entering what should be a great conference tournament. I echo Ryan's point out in the Mountain West. So, Ryan, 15 hours approximately of basketball on this Thursday. We'll see a very similar picture tomorrow on a Friday across conference tournament week. What does your week look like and how you evaluate college hoops? Well, what does my week look like? Three or four TV screens and computer screens around. I'm just trying to do my best from, like you said, 11 a.m. today, Toledo. Probably the games run because they go one after another in the same arena until like 1, 1.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Uh, so that can get rough at times. But um, I'm excited. I'm going to be eyes in the bubble the whole entire time. I like to update my bracketology every two hours just because things are always changing. So I'm, I'm excited. Ryan Hammer from FanDuel joining us here on a huge Thursday for College Hoops. Conference Tournament Week, and really, as I've said multiple times, begins a great three-week stretch in the sports calendar. Ryan, good luck to updating your bracketology and staying on top of everything. Enjoy the wonderful Thursday of college basketball we have in store. Of course, thanks. Same to yourself. Thank you very much. And as we said, it starts in about seven minutes from now in the MAC. Toledo in Central Michigan. Again, the Rockets, the second best ATS mark in all of college hoops this year out of 358 Division I basketball teams. Toledo, 22-8 against the spread, 16-4 ATS in MAC competition this year. We look at that in just a little bit. We round out Hour 2 next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our number two of a Thursday right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. And you can watch this 
all across the Spiz Grizz Network. I am Ben Stevens. A tremendous Thursday in college basketball. If I sound like a broken record, too stinking bad. This is what we do. This is March, and this is why we love college basketball. That starts in just a couple of minutes. In our third hour, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll go in-game live. We'll beat the book live, looking at how the live odds update and where you might be able to find the edges for some live wagering opportunities. But before we get there, we take a look, big picture, in college basketball at the national championship odds right now in Buy or Sell. So Gonzaga is a plus 380 favorite right now to cut down the Nets as a national champion in early April. Arizona, not all that far behind anymore, only over $2 at plus 600. Then it's Baylor and Kentucky, 8-1. to one. Do we buy or sell that these four teams should be in triple digits the only four teams in triple digits we buy and i'll tell you why we buy i believe truly that the national champion at least one of the teams playing in the national championship will come out of this crop of gonzaga arizona baylor and or kentucky is that a super bold claim to take the four shortest odds on the board and say at least one of them will play in the national championship maybe not but it's the madness in the month of March, so how truly can we handicap? I don't believe in paying the price on Gonzaga at that short of a number, at plus 380. Arizona, I still believe, might have a little value at 6-1. to one. Love the makeup of Tommy Lloyd's team. Kentucky might be the best team in college basketball when fully healthy. So yes, we buy that those four teams specifically should have three digits next to their price. Our number three. A very happy hour of the morning after on this huge Thursday in sports comes up next here on The Grid.